Lord God, may all that we do and say on this amazing day be well and good in your sight. Amen. So this past week, BBS week, as you all are very aware, the theme was weird animals, where Jesus' love is one of a kind. And I think it's amazing the way these curriculum writers write some of these things, because I think this was an amazing week, a wonderful message for the kids, and not only for the kids, but for adults. So the premise was each week, or each day, there was a different weird animal. And there were some really, really strange animals, I can't even remember them, that were highlighted each day. And these animals that are just super unusual and they're just not the ones that we often think about, they're not the cute, cuddly kind, they're just weird and different. But with the underlying message that Jesus' love is one of a kind. It's perfect, it's exactly what kids need to hear. And even though we are all a little different and a little strange, as one of the uh, lyrics of the song said, Jesus loves us anyway. And I think that's something we all can relate to at any point in our lives, whether we're a little kid needing to hear that message that Jesus loves us no matter what, or those of us up in our 90s, we still need to be reminded that when we feel odd or weird or different, Jesus' love is indeed one of a kind, and he loves us no matter what. So that was, one, that was the big phrase that was used every day. Miss Lisa would open the morning with, what was it? Jesus' love is one of a kind. And the kids would respond back, one of a kind. So hopefully we're going to get you guys to do that a little bit with us this morning. Let's try it one more time. Jesus' love is one of a kind. One of a kind. Yes, well done. You guys learned quick. Excellent. So each day we had a different scripture passage with a different scripture story. So Kelly and I are going to kind of walk us through those different scripture passages and talk a little bit about them. This is the gospel according to Kelly. <laughs> Our first story is about the Samaritan woman at the well that you can find in John 4. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. So this lone woman goes out to a well, and right there we know something is different because all the women typically go at the same time to draw water from the well. What's also different about this story is that Jesus and the disciples are on their way, and they go way out of their way at Jesus' direction, and they end up in the land of Samaria where this well is. If you know your Bible history, Jews and Samaritans were arch enemies. And so a Jew would never go through Samaria, would go way out of the way to avoid that. And Jesus goes right in and he lands alone because the disciples, we're not sure where they are, but they're not with Jesus. So Jesus encounters this woman and he begins a conversation and she's really shocked because men don't talk to women let alone when you're alone at a well. In those days, women were looked at more as property, not as equals. And so Jesus starts a conversation with her and she doesn't get it at first. She thinks that maybe he's a prophet. And Jesus starts talking about living water as she's trying to draw her water from the well, meaning that even though she came to that well for actual water, He's there to offer her much more than that. He's there to fill up her life with his love 
something she doesn't think she deserves. She's kind of got a bad past, and she thinks she's pretty unworthy of love. And it's why she's hiding in shame. And what a great lesson for all of us when we do something that we're not very proud of, or maybe even we're going through something and we're really sad about it, or we feel guilty about it. Our tendency is kind of to withdraw and to hide, even from Jesus. And here we have Jesus who comes to meet this woman just as Jesus meets us and gives us value and says that we're precious and treasured the big shock for the disciples, and although they didn't say when they came up to them, I'm sure they were in shock, but perhaps they knew by then um, Jesus well enough to know that there was a bigger story. And the story was this, that Jesus didn't come just for the Jews as they anticipated. Jesus came for everyone. What a great message for us today. So you heard a little verse read to you today, Ephesians 2.10. We are called God's masterpiece. All week long, the kids would come up the stairs from the fellowship hall, and there was a big oval mirror. And it says, who does Jesus love? And you look in the mirror, and it's you. So remember when you look in your mirrors this week, remember that Jesus loves you, even though you're different, because we're all different. So I thought I'd share a story about a time I felt different. When I was an early teen, I had scoliosis, you know, the curvature of the spine. And so when you're 13, the last thing you want to be is different. And I had to wear a back brace. And I had to wear it outside my clothes, which was probably the worst news you can get at age 13. And you have to wear it everywhere you go. And kids are kids. And for a long time, until they got used to seeing it, it was like I felt I was being stared at all the time. And it was a youth advisor that came up to me who said, it's okay because you're still beautiful in the eyes of God. And God doesn't care what you look like because God looks at you and sees you as precious and beautiful and that was a hard lesson to get and I don't know that I got it till the whole experience was over but I'll never forget it so Kate how about your story <laughs> mine's not quite as dramatic as yours oh, but I'm drama but when I was a, when I was a little girl you know when you're little like like Pastor Kelly said anything that makes you different and makes you stick out in a crowd other kids kind of have a bad habit of, of picking on you for those things, right? So many years ago, not anymore, I'm now strawberry blonde, but when <laughs> I was younger, I was a fire engine red redhead. And of course, that was just one of those things that made me different, because redheads were, were, a, were a rare breed. So <laughs> that made me stick out in the crowd, and kids would make fun of me often because I was simply redheaded. I was also a tomboy. I'm still a tomboy. You all know that. And so it's just those things that were different about me that I really struggled with. And why are kids picking on me? And I didn't do anything to make my hair look like this. 
And eventually there came a point in my life where it's like, oh, I love being a redhead, and now I miss being a redhead because I'm going white, but <laughs> that's okay. So, so I eventually got to that point in my life where I was able to embrace that and just being like, oh, I got pretty cool hair. It's like the greatest thing about me. <laughs> and I realized that that was because that is how God had created me. And he loved me anyway. So that's my story of feeling different. And I bet you all have stories too. We all have those stories of being feeling singled out, feeling picked on, feeling different. But no matter what, Jesus' love is one of a kind. One of a kind. <laughs> so on day two, the scripture story that the kids spent time looking at was when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And the concept behind it is when, even when you don't understand, Jesus loves us anyway. So I'm going to take you back to that upper room on that last night of Jesus's life. Um, if you've grown up in the church, you're very familiar with that story. And if not, it was the night that Jesus instituted the, uh, the Last Supper with his disciples. But he also did one other thing that was really different and caught his disciples off guard. After dinner, he got up from the table and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he grabbed a wash basin and he went over and knelt in front of every single one of his disciples' feet and washed them. Now for us in the 21st century, that's just, it's weird. Like, well, why, why are you getting your feet washed? What's that all about? But back in that day, they mostly wore sandals in the Middle East and they would travel on roads that were dusty and dirty. And it was a form of hospitality. When you would step into someone's home, it was hospitable for them to offer uh, foot washing. Yet for us, it feels strange, right? Every time in recent years when I've tried to do foot washings, either with a Bible study or with my teenagers, they cringe and they're like, don't touch my feet, I don't like feet. And we all have a thing about feet. And even so for the disciples, they were very used to having their feet washed but they weren't used to having their feet washed by their Messiah, by their leader, by their teacher. And it was uncomfortable for them and they didn't understand what he was doing. And especially Peter, Peter said, no, absolutely not. I don't know, you're, you're too good to be washing my feet. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you don't let me wash your feet, you cannot be a part of me and who I am and what I have come to, to do and accomplish at which Peter resoundingly said, okay, then please, not just my feet, but also my head and my hands. I want to be a part of you. And Jesus even said to them, though you may not understand what I am doing now, you may understand in the future that no servant is greater than their master, no master is greater than their servant. I have come to serve. And now I expect you from here on out to serve. So... The other scripture reading that Logan read for us this morning that went with the story was, do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. The golden rule, right? We always want to make sure that we are treating others with kindness and respect and with dignity and hospitality because that's exactly how we all want to be treated as well. Now there was a, a time I was trying to think of stories in my life when there was things that I just didn't understand, especially as a little kid. And, and I remember this one time um, I grew up, I actually was born here in Livonia and then I moved to Farmington Hills when I was three. And 
I, we lived in the greatest neighborhood, and my house in particular was on a cul-de-sac, and we called it the circle. And it was like a nice secluded road, and there was a bunch of other kids that lived on the circle with me. Well, my very best friend, when I first moved, he lived right across the circle from me, and his name was Mark. And we had a ton of fun. We went to school together, we rode our bikes and big wheels, and we just played, and he was my best friend. And I think I was in second grade, and I remember sitting at the kitchen table and looking out across the circle, and there was a sign in the yard of Mark's house, and it was a for sale sign. Mm. Apparently, Dad was being transferred to New Jersey. Might as well have been the other side of the world at that age. And I just didn't understand. And I remember my mom trying to explain to me, well, you know, Dad got a new job, and, and they need to move, and, and we can go visit them, but you're not going to, to see him. And I just was just heartbroken. I was like, oh. I don't understand. Why does he have to leave? Why does he have to move? I don't want my best friend leaving. So I just remember going through all those emotions, trying to understand. And, and as kids, of course, there's lots of things we don't understand in different ways. But then when we get older, oh my goodness, the amount of things that we don't understand, right? It's astounding and it can get frustrating. And if we spend too much time focusing on those things that we don't understand and not let, letting Jesus Christ be our focus in those moments, then we can get really overwhelmed with life. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example, Kelly, of times you didn't understand? I do. I was uh, 16 and I grew up on the island of Oahu, Hawaii, and I don't really, I didn't really remember too much of the mainland. So when you grow up uh, in Hawaii, they don't really care all that much, especially as a kid where your family's from, what state you're in, because all the states are the mainland. And all I had heard of from my parents, who both grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was that winters were really cold, and uh, my, my dad had kind of a, a rough upbringing. He was very poor, so I had heard all these stories. But I did know two things about Milwaukee. Laverne and Shirley, the TV show, <laughs> and the Fonz. So I could at least tell people that I was moving to where those shows were. But at 16, I finished my sophomore year in high school. I was active in my church. I have family there. My life was there. Never thought I'd leave the island, maybe go to college, but come back. And basically, we were forced to leave the island. My parents had to kind of start over again. And uh, I was a pretty good kid, except really? for when I found out we were moving. <laughs> and I made it pretty hard. So um, I just, I understood that we had to move and we had to go to where family was. But at the same time, I didn't know what God was doing. I understood the practicality of it. I thought as a teenager and really kind of finding my faith, what was God doing? Um, highly influenced by missionaries uh, in Hawaii and I thought, I'm leaving this, and I don't know where I'm going. So I really didn't understand it. Now, you know, flash you know, forward to my first winter, I didn't dress right. I had to stand at a bus stop. It was awful. I think my parents forgot how to dress for the winter, so it was a pretty cold winter, and I don't really think I understood until I got all the way into late college that what God had in mind and what I had in mind as to where I would live were completely different and had that move not happened, 
I wouldn't uh, potentially uh, even be in ministry. I was gonna go a different direction. So it's really hard sometimes when you're in something and you don't know what God is doing to try to be faithful and how wonderful it is years later to look back and then to kind of see the journey. But awesome that we have faith communities and church community that can help us when we don't understand, that someone can come alongside us and help us and be present to us. I just thought that was amazing. So I learned that Jesus's love is one of a kind. One of a kind. All right, on day three, our story was Paul and Ananias. And so, before the guy was named Paul, his name was? Saul. Saul. Yes, Saul. And so Saul and Paul, even though they were the same man, were very different from one another. So, if you heard about Saul, Saul was someone in power who was given authority to cause a lot of trouble with people who believed in Jesus. And he persecuted those who believed in Jesus. And so now imagine Saul is on a tirade. All the Christians are afraid of him. And Paul is heading out for one more trip. And he's heading towards Damascus. And on the road, all of a sudden, it says there's this flash of light. And it's big. And Paul, I mean Saul, falls off his horse. No, Saul was in excellent excellent rider this light almost blinds him there's thunder and lightning and he falls on the ground and when he gets up there's something different about him what happened boys and girls what happened to Saul when he hit the ground he was blind that's right how many days was he blind three days that's right so meanwhile, back at Ananias' house, he gets word in a vision from God that he's supposed to go find Saul, who's staying at someone's house, and basically convert him to believe in Jesus. Now, you can imagine, if you're Ananias, and, and he's probably going, uh, no. Don't you know what this guy has done, Lord? I don't really want this assignment. And so, even though he was afraid, he followed God's plan. And he went to Saul. And sure enough, he shared the message of Jesus' love with him. And he was given a new name by God. And his new name was? Paul, that's right. And Paul represents all of those many letters in the New Testament. He took the love and the word of God through Jesus and he spread it everywhere. And back then, the term they used was all over the world. And he began churches in so many places. And we know that we're here today because of those first churches that were planted by Saul, who became Paul. And so what an amazing message it is for us to hear that little verse from Matthew 14, 27. Take courage, don't be afraid. So my story is, we had a church family that had a six month old baby and I was only 12. 
And my parents thought, oh, this will be good experience. They're like two blocks from our house. My first babysitting gig, I had taken like a little course. I had my little certificate, which meant at 12, I knew everything there was to know about a six month old baby. The night came and I was doing well, life was good. And then it started to get dark and it was kind of stormy outside. And then it seemed to me when it got super dark, all of a sudden there was lots of rain. Still good, lights were working. All of a sudden, thunderstorming, lightning, and the lights go out. <laughs> no cell phone. So I, in the dark, I'm trying to call on their home phone to my parents' house, and they're not picking up, and the baby starts to cry, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no. So trying to calm down the baby, but I'm still really scared and I keep trying to call and they won't come and the thunder and lightning and I kid you not, so this is a condominium and they had a fence and I'm sure, well it seemed like it was 12 feet high to me, it was about five feet high. I literally put the baby in the bassinet when it calmed down, put the blanket over and as fast as I could, I came through the sliding door, jumped the fence, ran to my parents' house and as I was running to my parents' house, my dad was walking with an umbrella and he's like, oh my gosh. So he took me back to the house. The baby didn't know any different and he stayed with me until the parents got home. So I knew from my dad that Jesus was with me even though I was afraid. <laughs> That's a good story. I didn't get many babysitting gigs for a while. But... <laughs> Way to abandon a child. I, wasn't nice that work. great? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I was in my, uh, I think I was about 24 or 25 years old, and I was living in Ohio at the time, and I was going to be heading out to California to visit my sister. My sister and her family were out there 10 months. She was on a special uh, study program through Ford Motor Company. They sent her to Stanford to go get her master's degree. Pretty awesome. I have never been to California, so I was going to go visit her. Like I said, I was living in Ohio at the time, so I hopped a flight from Columbus, and in order to fly to California, I first had to go to Pittsburgh and then get the flight cross-country from there. Well, with it being a pretty short flight, typically those are kind of small uh, airplanes. So we get in the plane, and all is okay, but then, of course, a storm comes up. And we get to this point where, and it's, it's nighttime, and so you can't see anything, and all you see are like the flashing of the lights on the, the wings, and all you can see is the rushing by of the clouds and the rain, and I remember the pilot saying, all right, we're getting ready to land in 20 minutes. I swear it was the longest 20 minutes of my life. I'm pretty sure it was longer than that, and it was just, the plane was bouncing like crazy, and it just didn't seem like we were getting anywhere. It didn't sound like, you know, those sounds that airplanes make when they're starting to make their descents and, and that sort of thing. None of that was happening. And I just was just honestly terrified. And I remember there was actually a little girl sitting across the aisle from me, just chilling out. She was all good. And we actually had, there were people kind of screaming and it was, it was pretty rough. It was a pretty rough flight. And I just remember focusing on that little girl. And of course, praying like crazy, talking to God like crazy, but just looking at this 
this little girl that just didn't seem to have a care in the world. And that was a terrifying moment. And of course, I knew that God was with me. I knew he was going to take care of everything. And obviously everything worked out just fine. And I will never forget getting on that cross-country flight and it being just this big, ginormous, you know, three rows flight and being so excited that it was this big, giant plane. <laughs> so we all have those moments, right, where we can remember when we are afraid and when we have that time, we just need to be reminded that Jesus is indeed with us. He is always there and that he loves us and he will see us through those moments of being afraid and fear and terror. Because, of course, Jesus' love is one of a kind. One of a kind. So here's what we can remember, what we learned from VBS this year. When we feel different, Jesus loves us. When we don't understand, Jesus loves us. And when we are afraid, Jesus is with us. For Jesus' love is one of a kind. One, one of, a of a kind. kind. Amen. Amen.